You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words, What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is that plants, kind of like humans and animals, use hormones to control their growth and metabolism. But unlike us animals... Plants don't have an endocrine system at all. Instead, they make hormones in each plant cell locally. So we're a little bit more advanced than plants, but plants still taste good. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's guest is a guy who I've, I've known about for quite a while, and I'm really eager to have him on the show. He's the, a clinical nutritionist, and he's a founder of the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Clinic. He is none other than Reed Davis, and he's probably one of the most successful and experienced clinicians around that you could find anywhere today. He's looked at 11,000 people using functional lab assessments to talk about adrenals, digestion, detox levels, the health of your mucosal barrier, bone density, and all sorts of other diet and nutrition-related things. And I challenge you to find anything that isn't somehow nutrition-related. So, Reed, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much, Dave. Pleasure to be here with you. All right. What is functional diagnostic nutrition? Just flat out, give me the definition. 
Fantastic. Well, it's a phrase that I coined to describe a system that I developed, and it's a system of looking at underlying causes and conditions so that we can actually heal a person, you know, by identifying the uh, healing opportunities. You know, what's really wrong with the person instead of just chasing the symptoms with lotions, potions, powders, or pills, or God forbid, surgery or something like that. So it's an investigative system looking at underlying causes. And then, of course, the protocols are all completely natural, no drugs involved. So it's behavior-based protocols. So it's looking at what's really wrong and knowing how to fix it. All right, let's jump in on a, a few things that are, are, we'll call it wrong with people, but they don't really know about. Uh, um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I discovered through the course of, of you know, becoming Bulletproof and developing the set of recommendations in, in my work is that most people are nowhere near optimal but they think oh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm doing all right. I, I can do this. I can do that. But they don't understand the deficits because either they've never felt as good as they're capable of feeling, or the deficits just kind of crept in, so they're invisible. So you think you're at 100, percent but you're really at 50 or 60 percent, and the extra capacity just isn't there. So, so let's start with thyroid. How common sure. is is it is it for people to have just a little bit of thyroid that's off? Well, it's very very common, and it's something that's going to. Uh, adapt to your environment and so typically uh, the adaptation is to slow down metabolism you know if the body thinks it's under stress and it is god forbid you know whose isn't uh, the body's going to want to go into hibernation to some extent so since thyroid regulates metabolism it's very easy for that thyroid to adaptively naturally slow down a bit which, as you know, the more and more that progresses, it, you're going to end up being called hypothyroid, you know, underactive thyroid. And really, it could just be an adaptation. Now, I've studied it pretty thoroughly, all the things that can affect any kind of endocrine output, but especially thyroid, because, as you just mentioned, it is so common. I mean, there's millions of people on thyroid medication. And I would venture to say, and this is just based on my own experience, about 80% of them, there's nothing wrong with their thyroid. Really? So 80% of people on thyroid medication don't have thyroid problems? Well, my, my opinion is that they are been diagnosed as hypothyroid because the only test ever run on them is a thyroid hormone test. So if your thyroid's a little low, that's going to show up on blood work. And the typical standard medicine approach is to just, well, let's beef it up a little bit. Here's some thyroid hormone. Now, my question, and the question of your followers as well as mine, is that, you know, what's wrong with the thyroid? Why am I hypothyroid? Now, 15 years ago, I, when I was starting to study this stuff, I went to a physician and said, you know, if someone's thyroid is low, is there something they can do about that? No, they just need medication for the rest of their life. And, of course, you, Dave, and I would not accept that, yeah. you know, and, and we'd go, well, no, I want to find out what's really wrong with the thyroid. So I've spent, you know, um, a decade and a half looking into things like thyroid dysfunction and what's really wrong. And it gets quite complex, but you know, I'm happy to go wherever you want to go with that. Well, Bulletproof Radio is, is about performing well, and there's a, a big group of people who know they have a little something wrong, or maybe they know they have a big something wrong. And then there's another group of people who say, well, I, I'm pretty much kicking ass all day, but I want to kick more ass. And 
And since the thyroid's role in the body is basically an energy uh, thermostat, it it tells the body to produce energy, and I'm grossly generalizing, but uh, it, it seems like hacking the thyroid function so that it is exactly where you want it to be, whether to bring it up to normal or if it's normal, to make sure that it's either going to stay normal or even maybe give you a little bit of extra energy at the right times. What are the things, what are the big levers to control the thyroid so that your body will do what you want it to do? That's a really great question. So as you said, the thyroid regulates metabolism. So it can turn the uh, turn the thermostat up a bit, as you said, um, it, when needed and when not needed or when the body perceives that it should slow down metabolism to conserve energy and resources, what have you, it will do that. And again, I think it's an adaptive response to the amount of stress that we're under. Now, these different stressors, you know, I call them, uh, you'll love this phrase, contributors to metabolic chaos. The body, uh, when it's subjected to stress, starts to break down in infinite number of ways, and it will eventually create uh, chaotic metabolism. So I call it metabolic chaos. Now, the thyroid obviously is going to be highly involved in that. But the thyroid is just one gland, and it's being sent messages uh, from other glands, such as the pituitary and the hypothalamus. So in the hierarchy, we have this hypothalamus, we have this pituitary, and then we have the thyroid, which is going to produce some thyroid hormone, which is going to be bound up uh, first so that it can travel throughout the body and be used later at the correct time and the correct receptors and things. But it also has to be converted because, as you know, this is basic physiology, thyroid hormone has to be converted from T4 to active T3. Now, that takes place in the liver. Now, once it's converted to a usable form uh, and hopefully not into the unusable forms, it's going to go and be used by the cells. And there's some other elements in there. Uh, use by the cells can be disrupted. And then, of course, excess thyroid needs to be cleared. So we're back to the liver and clearing. Now, I just mentioned seven different ways that thyroid can be uh, chaotic. There can, there's just this metabolic chaos going on. Start with that hypothalamus. Remember, it sends out a message to the pituitary. And that pituitary sends out a message to the thyroid to produce some thyroid. You know, hey, regulate metabolism, thyroid. All right, well, the hypothalamus is influenced by neurotransmitters, the immune system, the autonomic nervous system, other hormones in the body. So if those are also responding or, you know, chaotic in some way, you're going to have mixed messages at best from the hypothalamus. So you get the chain of events I'm going through here. So you're talking about, just to pull one of those things out, the autonomic nervous system, the the fight or flight mechanisms in, in the body. So it, that yeah. controls the hypothalamus, which controls yeah. the pituitary, which controls yeah. the thyroid. and It controls the thyroid and a lot oh, of yeah, other yeah, hormone, Many other uh, like organs, growth yeah. hormone, yeah. oxytocin, like, like the, the whole, a lot of these things that are fundamental to staying strong and to staying young uh, it are, are controlled by this complex pathway. So if, if you're basically stressed all the time, you're going to send a signal to the hypothalamus, to the pituitary, then to your thyroid and to your growth hormone and, and to all these other things. And then you've sort of lost control. But as biohackers, as people want to gain control of the system, how do you know 
at what level of that system to intervene. Like there's nutritional and environmental impacts and stress impacts at the top of the chain and throughout the chain. Or it may just be your hypothalamus is jacked or your pituitary gland is jacked because your, your immune system's attacking it. Or your thyroid may have an autoimmune reaction like, like Isabella Wentz has, has just talked about uh, on the show. Um, and so there's, there's all these different things. How would a, a mere mortal <laughs> sit down mm-hmm. and say, all right, I, I just like, I, I want, I want this stuff to work and I want it to work really well. Like I want a professional race car grade, uh, chain of things that support my thyroid. Where do you start? Well, great question. You know, the thing to realize first is the way you think about this. You have to start with the fact that if you just single out the thyroid, and treat the thyroid, you will not perform as well as someone who uses all the general principles of health building. So mark my words here. General principles does outperform specific treatments. So this is a stretch for some people, but if you have thyroid dysfunction or adrenal dysfunction or sex organ dysfunction, forget about that for a minute and start thinking about yourself as a whole body, a whole person. And the things that are going to influence, the general principles involved are that you have to you know, eat really well, you have to get really good rest, you have to exercise, of course, you have to reduce stress in every way it can be identified and maybe become a little more aware of stressors that you're not aware of. And then, of course, there's ways to beef up, you know, supplementation is very important, I believe. Now, I call that, by the way, my dress for health success program. It's it's just a holistic program. D-R-E-S-S is diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction supplements. So if you want to perform your very, very best, there obviously are uh, signs uh, of whether you're getting there. You, you mentioned, and I don't want to digress too far off the question, but you mentioned that some people don't even know what high energy and clear thinking and great performance feels like anymore. They've um, sort of had their rheostat turned down. Now, I, I love that idea of, you know, burning brightly like a candle for the rest of your life. Yeah. You should burn just as bright at 40 or at 80 as you did at, you know, 25 or 30. Correct. So, but we, we learned that, oh, you're older, yeah, less clear thinking, less energy, less sexual potent, you know, different things, which, you know, you and I think is nonsense, or at least that's, that's the battle that we're in. So you have to start with your thinking that the general principles of health building will outperform specific treatments. So if you have slow thyroid, low metabolism, now you'd know that by the fact that you're gaining a little weight. You might have some cold or tingling extremities. You could have constipation. You could feel blue and sad and these kind of things. There's lots of very typical thyroid symptoms. But if you go after the thyroid and think, oh, look, I found low thyroid output, and you just try to replace that either with supplements like glandulars or or with medication, you will not be addressing the true underlying failing system. You won't be sorting out the metabolic chaos. Now, uh, that's just my, you, you call it biohacking, I call it sorting out metabolic chaos. We both, and I don't know if you're doing a whole lot of this, Dave, but I run lab work. Oh, yeah. I look at the, adre- you know, adrenals in the sex hormones. You have to. I look at digestion. I look at liver function. I look at the immune system. I look at energy production and that nervous system that you mentioned, the fight, flight versus parasympathetic. So there's ways to hack that. 
and I have a system. That's what FDN is. Right. You started first question. What's FDN? It's that system of looking at hormones, immune, digestion, detoxification function. If you look at that and apply those general principles, you know, what does it take to bring those up to speed to the way they were designed or as good as you're going to get? Uh, then you'll start to see vague symptoms uh, that your standard medical practitioner has no solution for other than, um, you know, just treating symptoms. You'll see those things fade away. And then be ready for some energy. Be ready for some uh, sense of well-being. Be ready to feel totally satisfied uh, with your meals and with your life. Because you need to have all those things going for you to feel that way. I've had tons of people come into like Bulletproof Forums or just coaching coaching clients and say, all right, I want to get... I, I want to get a picture of what's going on. Where do I get started from a lab testing perspective? And then you tell them, well, if you really want a complete picture, like you need urine organic acids and all these hormones and inflammatory markers, et cetera, et cetera. And pretty soon they're like, that's, you know, several thousand dollars worth of lab tests. And then it's going to take how many hours with someone coaching me? And then how many hundreds of dollars of supplements and all this kind of stuff? Uh, how, with FDN, how do you, how do you, shorten that cycle or how do you know which lab test to pick like that's such a great question dave there's two things one is that um the lab that i've been running for over 15 years now are saliva urine stool they're easily collected at home and they're they're I've, they're well priced i think so it's not thousands but it's it's hundreds but that is something that someone who's really tired of uh, the dead ends that they've been on They've been in a vicious cycle of trial and error. They try this exercise program. They try this diet. They try these supplements. They're trying all these things, and they're not getting uh, what they want. And they've already spent a lot of money. So we try to wipe the slate clean a little bit and say, look, you just need to do uh, a few labs, a, hand, a small handful. Look at these critical functions. Look for these healing opportunities. And then we'll go from there. We'll design that perfect program for you. Now, there's one other thing that we've developed over the years. And if your listeners wanted it, I could give it to them for free. You tell me, Dave, and I'll. Sure. It, it, uh, they well, can we'll have, put it in the show notes. I'm hap- happy to. Um, this, this, this is this is free info for people. Just it's not sales yeah. info, but you're not going to do that. So I get it. Well, no, uh, we have what we call the metabolic chaos scorecard. So it is a questionnaire. And it goes through quite a number of uh, questions. You you can grade your uh, response, you know, like it never bothers me or it bothers me a lot. You know, there's like f- one through five, you grade each thing. Now, those things are connected to function in functional categories. So we have the endocrine system questions. There's the neuronal conductivity questions. There's questions related to the immune system, eicosanoid modulation. There's questions related to carbohydrate metabolism, fat and protein metabolism, uh, connective tissue and bone turnover. So we've, we've, over the years, developed a system of questions, and that can give you a score. So you, it tells you what your score is in each area. And it points the finger. Now, it's not diagnostic, but it points the finger at an area that needs improvement, like the endocrine system, for instance. But we always keep in mind that, well, that endocrine system is going to be dysfunctional. It might be 
really critically dysfunctional. But there's all these other systems also influence that. Again, that's why we call it the metabolic chaos scorecard. So that's a an intake that helps guide us a bit. But back to your question, you know, direct what labs. I started off running just a couple labs on people in 1999, 2000. I was already running hundreds of labs on hundreds of people. And it's ended up being thousands of labs on thousands of people. As you know, Dave, I teach a course. So I, I've ex- oh, yeah. sort of spread the, uh, I've deputized almost 2,000 people. And so I had to run this system. And so the frustration is kind of what you said. I'd like to run five labs on every person. And they're going to have to spend a thousand bucks. And then they're going to have to spend time. Again, I have to interpret. And you also want to correlate with each person. There's no one thing that's going to work the same in every person. So you have to clinically correlate every lab test. The the issue is that people don't quite know you or they don't quite have the money. And they need, so they start with one thing. Now, I would probably just run um, a saliva and a urine test. And look at the stress hormones, the sex hormones, uh, the function of the liver for detoxification, and then di- are you breaking down digestion? Are you breaking down and assimilating nutrients properly? And that's a lot of healing opportunity. I mean, you're looking there at a constellation of this function. You're getting some markers, some points that are clues about what's really wrong with the person. And so then you can apply some therapy. Now, I would just have that person behave in a certain way. Again, the D-R-E-S-S, the right diet and rest and exercise and reducing stress and supplements. And I don't have my own line. I just know a few things about them. And uh, so the process is what really gets to the problem. Because, again, there's no, there's no lab work that's going to tell you exactly what's wrong with each individual person. They haven't even invented the labs yet that will tell us that. Now, maybe in 50 years you'll be able to pee into some, a bottle and send it off the lab and they'll tell you everything that's wrong with you. you know, maybe that is possible one day. But it's not possible right now. So we have to run the labs that we have. Those are clues about what you need to do. Again, in those general principles of health building. You have to trust this. They will not perform specific treatment. So instead of going in, oh, it's my, I've been told I have thyroid. Well, we kind of ignore that and go, okay, you have thyroid. All right, that's great. Um, but you also have adrenal, uh, potentially uh, hypothalamus, pituitary, liver dysfunction. And Dave, just let me give you a, a for instance. 25% of your usable thyroid is not even available to you until the thyroid goes through the digestive system. So there's uh, things in the digestive system that activate 25% of your thyroid hormone. Has anyone ever told uh, the listener that before uh, or, or you? you know? So you have the, the liver converting T4, the inactive form, into T3. Uh, and some T3 goes out into the bloodstream. That's a great thing. Perfect. Beautiful. But the liver makes uh, what's called T3 sulfate and T3 acetic acid. And that has to be converted by gut flora. 
into active T3. And it makes up 25%, a full one quarter of your thyroid hormone. So let's say your thyroid is just mm -hmm. uh, down a little bit and you're having lots of symptoms because of it. And you, you just simply have a weak gut. You don't have the uh, correct biota. You don't have the right uh, balance. If you have dysbiosis, you're gonna be, you could be missing 25% of your thyroid. Now, that's not a commonly known now, thing. Now, is this oral and, thyroid you're talking about, oral thyroid medication, or is this thyroid that's made, made in the body? I'm talking about your normal thyroid production. Let's pretend, remember what I said in the beginning. There's, in, this is my opinion, that eight out of 10 people who have classic hypothyroidism, there's not really anything wrong with their thyroid. It's just not, you know, it could be, again, the influences, the hypothalamic pituitary. It could be improper binding of the hormone. It could be improper conversion. It could be that the part that's converted into these different, the T3 acetic acid and T3 sulfate, that's not being activated into full T3, you know, and that requires good gut flora to do it. It's converted by uh, gut bacteria. So you could have the symptoms of low thyroid and then uh, it really has nothing to do. There's nothing wrong with your thyroid at all. And so that's the way we hack, you know, as we look at, at the whole person and, and why is that thyroid? Why are you having these thyroid symptoms? Not just throw some thyroid medication at it. So what would you do if, if let's say you're, you're sitting um, you're sitting at home, you're like, oh wow, 25% of my thyroid may not be happening because of something in my gut. What would you do to the gut to make it, to make it help a person better absorb thyroid? <laughs> well, I think you know <laughs> that, uh, first of all, we, you know, we, we look at labs. Like I run a lot of intestinal permeability labs, which is a simple urine test. There's a little challenge. You, you drink a little bit of this stuff and then you take your pee the next day, basically. And then you look at it and you see what's um, in the urine and you can tell if you've got a leaky gut, you know, and um, there's other things, this uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth test, um, which also is a urine test. So, so we have ways of getting these biomarkers and telling what's really wrong. So we do that as a standard operating procedure. You work on the uh, adrenals the sex hormones, the immune system, digestion, are you actually breaking and absorbing food properly? Um, and then are, is your liver uh, doing what it's supposed to be, detoxifying? And so you, you just work on those basic things, and it's amazing what happens to someone's health, especially when they follow the protocols uh, more to the letter. Now, your listeners are uh, super achievers. You know, and, you know, I try to be one. Uh, Myself, you know, <laughs> well, I think everyone does at some extent, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, you know, I, I get up in the every morning and I and I work, you know, and then I and I also play work hard, play hard kind of guy, and uh, you know, try to follow the advice that I'm giving others. You have to try to walk the talk in this business, and I know you're doing the same thing, Dave. So, so then it's kind of a kind of a long answer, but. If someone was concerned that they were not getting their full thyroid uh, absorption because of their, their gut problems, you'd start with a urine test to look for gut permeability. And, and assuming you found some organic acids that said that they were getting uh, permeability, uh, essentially they have a leaky gut, then what would you do? 
Well, you know, the, again, the diet, the first thing to do is to eliminate food sensitivity food sensitivity, so foods that you're sensitive to, they contribute to inflammation in the gut. And when you have inflammation in the gut, you get dysbiotic. You get an imbalance between the good and the more or less negative types of flora. So that gets out of balance. Now you start digesting food improperly. You're not able to break down and absorb nutrients very well. And then bigger bugs come along, your parasites and your real uh, nasty bacterial overgrowth, and not to mention fungus you know, uh, yeasts and things like that. Now, you, now you're really dysbiotic. And so you're going to end up with not enough good flora to convert, again, the T3 acetic acid and T3 sulfate into usable T3. You know, so, and not to mention all the other problems you're going to have because of that. You end up with the immune system basically overreacting to both the f- foods you're sensitive to and the uh, bacteria or parasites that are in there and the yeast and things and then leaky gut is actually an immunological problem people think of think of it as just holes in the in the garden hose you know this tube that is your small intestine and the something's poked holes in it no it's actually per, you know loosened up because of an immune response and it does get leaky like that so now you have large particles floating through and they get into liver circulation basically hepatic enterohepatic circulation but they end up getting released into the whole body so now you're invoking systemic immune problems and like you mentioned earlier too you can have uh, autoimmune thyroid you know Hashimoto's or there's another one Graves you know they have different mechanisms that they act uh, how, how they affect the thyroid uh, production, but they can be pretty nasty. So we. So, so just just to be really clear, um, so people yeah. people get the the chain there. Something happens to cause irritation in the gut. Oftentimes, the food sensitivity. Um, then that creates holes in the gut. Food particles make it through the gut. Your immune system attacks those food particles and things that look like those food particles, which include your thyroid gland and parts of your brain or other parts of your body. Yeah, okay. absolutely. That's the change. Just just to confirm that that for people. Yeah, and and throw in throw in there the parasites and uh, yeast that might grow because they also like that environment, right. and and they produce toxins that contribute to more of the same. It's again back to my phrase metabolic chaos. Mm-hmm. You have those toxins going around affecting the brain and affecting other organs and. Uh, it can be quite a chain of events. So, is, is this like a either you have it or you don't kind of situation? Like there are people. No, you ha- you have it to different degrees because there's a couple things going on. Exposure levels can be different. You can have kids that are really in bad environments. I mean, they eat nothing but crap. They're subjected to uh, sitting in front of electromagnetic frequencies all day long in front of their uh, TVs and uh, video games. In front and things of Skype, like that. it's terrible. now they also might be breathing you know inner city air you know just who knows right so you you have this environment that's really bad and then you have weaknesses in metabolism i call them vital voids uh inborn errors of metabolism if you will just there could be genetic things and there can be acquired errors of metabolism or weak links, if you will. And that's why everybody is so different. We're, we're born with and acquire different weak links or vital voids. 
So you raised the question here of something that we all operate on, uh, vitalism. You know, the body's designed really well. All of our cells know what their job is. I would say, well, they're at least given a set of instructions. That's true. But they may not be following those instructions very well. And it, again, these are the individual weak links. It's what makes our work so very, very interesting. And so, you know, yeah, we all have crap thrown our way. Um, and then we have the ability to respond to it. And hopefully we're up for the game. You know, if it's hemlock that you drink a big glass of it, you're not up for that game. It doesn't matter how much intelligence you have in your cells, the innate, you know, this uh, vitalistic uh, theory. It doesn't matter. You're not up for that game. So um, we would all die from hemlock. But, you know, a little bit of poison here and a little bit of poison there is going to affect us all differently, isn't it? Well, that brings up a, a really important point. Uh, some toxins, uh, to use the word very broadly, they're hormetic, where hormesis is this idea that, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. So you have a little bit of something, it, it stresses the cells, stresses the body, and then the body gets stronger. The, the big example would be lifting heavy things, right? It stresses the body, tears the muscles a little bit, so the muscles respond by getting stronger. So technically exercise is toxic, because if you exercise yourself to death, like the guy who ran the first marathon and then dropped dead, well, okay, that's a pretty good sign that you can get an overdose of exercise. But for the most part, it's one of those things that isn't bad. But there are other toxins that don't have a strengthening effect at all. Like they always make you weaker. And uh, uh, the ones that the gut makes, are some of those some of those, those gut dysbiosis toxins maybe good for you? Or are they pretty much all the ones that just cause damage and don't, ca don't have an upside? Yeah, that's a good question and, and debate, if you will. I think that there are some that... Again, they contribute to metabolic chaos. Yeah. They are part of what's breaking your body down. Because remember, there is a real cascade. So um, some of what you're saying is quite true. Certainly with exercise, um, you can over-exercise, but it's generally good for mm -hmm. you. Um, now, <laughs> I don't know how much or how you could apply that to environmental toxins. <laughs> I, you know, I can't, but you know, some people try. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some people try. Um, so I think some people are putting their head in their sands if they're really I, saying that what doesn't kill you I, makes you stronger. Well, I, I see this. I, I see this a lot, from especially from some of the the people who are maybe more concerned with how they look than how they feel or how long they'll live. And and they're out there saying, oh yeah, you should feed your kids junk food because it'll make them stronger. I'm like, what what planet are, is this from? Like, is yeah. there an argument for that? Maybe I'm wrong, but I. I, I don't get that feeling. So you seem like a guy who studied it at least as much as I have, probably a lot more. I, well, is, is margarine hormetic? You. Like, like should you should be doing margarine or, or MSG and things like that because they might make us respond better? No. Okay. I don't. Think I don't so. either. I think that there are things that will that are genetically required. You need vitamins and minerals yeah. and phytonutrients. You need essential fatty acids. You need these the, the constituents that will feed our bodies, nurture and uh, contribute towards, um, let's say, anabolic activity, uh, you need to be growing and producing all the juices and things that make us healthy and happy. And then there's going to be uh, interferences. There's going to be, I call them contributors to metabolic chaos. And I don't know if you know this, my background before I got into the health and wellness field was environmental law. <laughs> cool, it's, I didn't know that. You, you know, I, 
Yeah, I, I graduated uh, from a very prestigious program with honors here in Southern California, environmental law, and I worked in that field for a while. Uh, when I realized how bad the environment was, and you know, obviously we were working mostly with the trees and the animals and fish and things like that at the time. Um, but I started saying, well, what about people? What about me? You know, this, these 80,000 chemicals, not, you know, very few of them have been tested for safety. And I realized that I was in the test. I mean, that we're the rats in the maze being exposed to this stuff. And it's generally all bad. You know, there's, you know, the, so we have to, we do have adaptive reserve that vitalism is a factor. Um, but again, are you up for the game? Are humans, have they evolved or, uh, to be able to handle these 80,000 chemicals? No, they've not. They're still, um, you know, 500 generations back. That's, we evolved to that. Well, 500 generations back, there was no chemicals that weren't, you know, natural from the environment. Um, food was different. You know, I mean, I don't want to go all into ancestral uh, diets and things like that, but it's generally what we need to follow. And so everything else is going to interfere with normal uh, function on a, a subcellular, cellular, organ, tissue, system level, organism level. So uh, the environment is working against us right now. And we need to do everything we can to uh, coach up functions in the body. Now, my 15 years of study has told me that those functions we want to coach up are the hormone system, the immune system, the digestive system, and the detoxification systems. Those are the four main ones. Energy production, nervous system, all these start to fall into place. But anybody can put some saliva and pee in some tubes and send it off to the lab and get back some results. And it tells you something about the individual. And it's that clinical correlation. In other words, you know, here's the results, here's the person. Do they match up? Because what we don't want to do, Dave, is treat the paper. That's what the other guys do. Standard medicine treats the paper. Oh, look, um, sounds like thyroid. Yep, I'll pat myself on the back. I found your problem. You have low thyroid output. And I have the perfect answer. Here's your prescription. So that's how standard medicine works. And we... We don't want to work that. We don't want to just patch up the symptoms. We want to find out what's really wrong. So that's why I go back to this idea. There's metabolic chaos, and there's a, I developed a system of looking into that. Okay. And um, so saliva, urine, some stool sometimes. Blood's important for looking at the food sensitivities, you know, inflammation markers, things like that. So, so you're a fan of using a blood test for food allergies? Yeah, well, and sensitivities. Okay. You know, allergies are generally IgE-mediated. They're immediate. I mean, you can tell. If you eat raspberries and you're allergic, quote-unquote allergic to them, that's an immediate histamine response. You, you know, just like when a cat walks in mm -hmm. the room, if you're really allergic, you're going to get a histamine. Your eyes are going to water. You're going to feel itchy or something, you know, immediate. These sensitivities are more insidious. They're slower to happen. Um, and then... There's ways in inflammation happens that we don't even have good tests for. So, but blood is generally the way. You can look at the swelling of white blood cells, for instance. You know, volumetric increases in uh, blood when it's exposed to certain uh, particles, food particles, for instance, or chemical particles. You can get trusted for, tested for drug sensitivities, sensitivities to chemicals in your home, things like that. So you can test for those things. 
or you can be very methodical in eliminating some things and seeing how it's called the elimination diet or getting rid of um, you know new furniture. I've been like literally sick from new furniture. Yeah. Order a new sofa, comes in, I sit down on the sofa, and the next thing you know, I'm asleep because the toxins in the fire retardants are neurotoxins. They're sedative, yep. you know, in their effect. It's crazy, but it's it, literally I had to move move yeah. a sofa out of the house and let it let it outcast for like a month or six weeks before I could bring it back I, in the house. I only buy like non toxic foam or things that are outgassed. And I don't use particle yeah. board uh, in my house because uh, uh, even the low VOC stuff is safer. But it, it, people say, oh, come on, you're, you're just being finicky. But no, like formaldehyde, which is coming out of that stuff, and the, the flame returns, they have endocrine disrupting effects. Like we know this. It, there's no question about it scientifically. Just people say, well, it's yeah. not enough to matter. I'm like, well, actually, if, if what you're doing is, is you're exposing yourself to 10,000 things a day, none of them by itself matters. But all of them together equals a huge change in how you perform. So the way you approach the problem is you chip away, get as rid of get rid of as many of those things as you can reasonably do in the time and energy you're willing to spend. So I, I'm with you on that. And and the, well, and that's the question. You know, it's uh, are you willing to do what it takes? Because we get parents who bring in their kids, and then um, you tell them, well, here's what you're going to have to do. And you might be amazed at the results. I mean, the people who actually oh, yeah. will do it get remarkable results. And other people say, oh, my kids, they like their Pop-Tarts, you know, or, oh, I'm not going to, you know, they buy the, the cheap clothes with all the fire retardant in it instead of nice cotton clothes, you know. And, you know, I'm trying to say it's like it's kind of it, it's- crazy what people are willing to do or not do. And they're going to get the results, the natural consequences it cannot be avoided. It's it's more work to ask at the furniture store what is inside this this sofa, right? Or to say, you know, I bought something because I could afford it, and I know it has bad stuff in it, so I'm going to bake it by a, a heater in the garage for a while and at least get most of that stuff out, uh, or, or do whatever else you can to to not be perfect, but at least minimize what's going on there because I I don't think anyone is capable of being at their highest performance if they're not paying attention to these things. They might be kicking some serious ass. They might be you know, world champion class athletes, but they're aging more quickly than they should be. And there's still another X percent available when their liver isn't working on that crap. Instead, it's just working on their own things that are metabolic byproducts of performing well. So there's, there's this huge thing there, but I run into this with clients all the time. You know, the, the Bulletproof diet has suspect foods, which is basically every food except eggs that are going to cause a, a sensitivity. Uh, eggs can cause a sensitivity, but they're so darn good for you that whatever, I put them in a, in a different category, at least egg yolks. But uh, you, you look at, at the rest of the things in the middle, like, look, just don't eat any of these for a couple weeks and see how you feel. It's like the simplest version of an elimination diet that I could come up with. And these other things at the bottom, don't touch that crap. Like high-performing human beings who can afford to hear this podcast have no business eating stuff in the kryptonite food section just because it has no benefits compared to other foods you can get. So you break it down as simple as that, but it's still a one-page infographic, and it's still something you have to pay attention to. So there's this natural, I don't want to make a lot of decisions. I don't want to spend a lot of time learning all this. And, And that's one side of it. And the other one is I want to feel good all the time. Um, how do you advise clients, people who go to, to an FDN practitioner, how do you advise them on, on how to know where to set that? You know, I'm lazy and I want to be perfect. Like, like there has to be somewhere in the middle. How, how do you coach someone who says, I don't want to spend all this time on this crap? Well, that's really good. 
Uh, well, you you actually said the the right words. Pay attention, pay attention. Um, you know, and and ask yourself questions like, when was the last time I jumped out of bed feeling like, woohoo, man, I'm gonna kick ass today. Now, if you jump up like that every day, uh, then great. You know, you're probably doing something right, especially if it lasts throughout the day. And if you have enough energy left at nighttime to uh, uh, watch a movie, make love, you know, whatever, go back to the gym or something, you know, then fantastic. And if you're falling asleep when your head, head hits the pillow and you're sleeping soundly throughout the night for seven hours and get or seven and a half and get back up the next day and do the exact same thing. And every single day you've got that super vitality and high energy and your brain is clear and you're not depressed and you're not irritable for any reason and you have, have you're satisfied by everything, then you're one of uh, maybe three percent of the population. And I would need to learn from you. <laughs> you should tell me what you're doing. But the other 97% of the population, Dave, are not like that. So they have things that they can improve yeah. upon. And if they would do what you said, which is pay attention, and I mentioned some crystal clear things there, pay attention to how you feel after breakfast, <laughs> like an hour yeah. and a half or two hours later. How do you feel? If you're going, man, that was a great breakfast. I'm totally satisfied. I'm not craving anything. Uh, nothing was missing from that meal. It had all the right amount of protein and fat and, and carbohydrates, you know, a complex thing. That, pay attention to that. Like, are you completely <laughs> satisfied with your meals? Okay. It, it, right? It's such a big difference. You remind me of something that happened to me when I was about 16, uh, maybe 15 even. Uh, probably, whatever, it was around, even younger than that, around ninth grade, whatever that is. I, I was obese as a kid, and I, I had this, I used to weigh 300 pounds, Reed, and I'm around 200 now, so I've kept 100 pounds of fat off, which is kind of cool. But back at this time, I, the summer, where I was doing like, like a PE all summer at summer school thing, so I was exercising like three hours a day, and I was going to you know eat really healthy, which of course meant like brand muffins and crap. What did we know in, in the 80s, 90s, like that early night? That was probably 80s. It would have been the 80s. And I remember like, all right, today we're going to do running. And I'd lost maybe 20, 30 pounds over the course of the summer. So I'm like, I'm tan. I'm, I'm still fat, but I'm less fat anyway. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to have a great day. So I wake up and I have a big bowl of grape nuts, right? It, it, right? Which are essentially like, like fermented grain leftovers. Like they're the worst of the worst. Uh, so I ate this and I go out, out to the, the, the class and it's, you know, four hour class. And, and I'm like farting like a machine. And, and I'm like, I just don't have the energy to run. And I just remember looking at myself going, God, I did everything right this morning. I didn't have eggs. I had grape nuts because like those are supposed to make me strong. And all it was was just paying attention. And if I just listened to myself and said, don't eat that crap. So instead, you're like, it must be something else. And, and you sort of keep doing what doesn't work. But if you're paying attention, like every time you smack yourself in the head, it hurts. You stop smacking yourself in the head. But it's like with food, because there's a delayed response. It took two hours for me to start you know, farting and, and feeling tired. I didn't, at first, yeah. correlate it with breakfast. That time, I did notice it. that had to be the grape nuts. And I laid off of those, and I switched to whatever, Fruit Loops, probably. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that's how it was back then. But that paying attention thing... Every time you have a food craving, it's your fault. Like you had to have done something. And you might not know what it is. It might be that you fed your gut bacteria the wrong way. And they triggered lipopolysaccharides, which made you have a blood sugar crash when you used up all your blood glucose. And like this kind of stuff happens. You don't know it, but it is your fault. So, by the way, let's talk about lipopolysaccharides. That's on my list of things to, to ask you about. 
Uh, okay, sure. What are lipopolysaccharides? How do they happen in the gut? Like walk people listening through why they should care about this LPS thing. Yeah, um, they're basically a toxin created by bacteria. So off the cells of bacteria, cells break down in a certain way and it leaves in the body this uh, chemical, if you will, a toxic, um, and it's a neurotoxin. Now, lipopolysaccharides can affect the way metabolism happens. Matter of fact, it can go right back into the liver and change the way that thyroid is converted from T4 to T3. Lipopolysaccharides will downregulate the proper conversion of T4 into active T3. So that's another reason why you would have um, low T3 symptoms. You know, you just so, have- let me see if I have this right. You have bad smelling gas, <laughs> bad digestion. That is a potential sign that your liver is preventing one of the energy-making hormones in your body, your thyroid hormone, from working. Because if you have essentially poor digestion, there's a good chance that you're creating extra lipopolysaccharide that's going from the gut into the liver and then messing with your systems. Am I translating that right? Um, but those same lipopolysaccharides also end up in the oh, brain. Yeah. And change, you know, I mean, they're just really uh, an unwanted contributor to metabolic chaos. So they're coming from, basically from dysbiosis. Now, they can also come from the environment. Yes. But um, the, the, the bottom line, what you're getting at is that your body produces its own toxins. I mean, it's bad enough that we have uh, our own toxins. You know, the, the, the sheer uh, waste product, if you will, of metabolism. And so... We certainly don't need toxins from the outside world. And, you know, uh, adding to that, the things we get off drinking out of plastic bottles and, like you said, the furniture and clothing. And um, you get on an airplane, uh, you have no idea how much fire retardant you're sucking up into your body. By The more plane rides, uh, the worse your body can get. We actually have a lot of uh, pilots and air, air you know, stewardesses, uh, uh, type people, you know, who are very sick. They have environmental illness and things. So not to get too far off in that track, but um, your body produces toxins. LPS is one of them. And it's something your body has to handle. So if you uh, are eating right and you're resting, you know, you're going to have good uh, detoxification process, especially if you exercise regularly. And they say, so your, your body's designed to handle a certain amount. Remember, we're up for the challenge to meet environmental uh, challenges and challenges our own body presents to us in ways of metabolic waste. Um, but we're pretty fragile, you know, like uh, when it compared to all the stuff that's, that's hitting us now. And maybe, like you said, it's, it's just a little bit of poison every day will build up. It will have a cascade. It's an amazing cascade. I talk a lot about that in my uh, webinars, which I think we're doing. Uh, we are. Uh, one of the things that that fascinated me as I got into the research about these toxins, it in- includes mycotoxins, these toxins that are formed by molds in our food supply and in our homes and offices. And when you look at one toxin from mold, and these are sort of mother nature's things that say, you know, this is my cheese, don't, don't eat this right now because I'm eating it, and if you try, I'll kill you. <laughs> this is how fungus and bacteria fight with each other. So if you, if you take this one uh, fungal metabolite, you can have this much of it, and most people, depending on how healthy you are and everything else, um, can handle X amount of it. But if you take this other one, 
and you add that in, they amplify each other greatly, and no one tests them in, in combination for their biological effects. So it, it turns out we've made a bunch of standards for chemicals, and we do this for man-made chemicals as well, like like Roundup and glyphosate and all. Oh, glyph- you can handle this mm. much of it. You're like, yeah, take that and then mm. add uh, you know something else, like a BPA uh, from those receipts or from plastic products, and then add in some of Mother Nature's toxins. It turns out that they stack, and they don't just stack like adding things together, they, they multiply each other. Uh, which is why, like in my own products, I have uh, I'm the only company that I know of to have a multi-mycotoxin uh, set of standards out there that, that's very strong. No government on earth has that, although most governments have individual mycotoxin levels. So you can have X amount of this, or you can have X amount of that, but they don't care if you have almost the maximum limit of both, and that's an unsafe product, at least in, in my understanding of biochemistry. So I, I think we're all dealing with this multiplicative effects where you take LPS that made it through the gut. And at the same time, you have a bunch of other things circulating, like xenoestrogens that are in your body that came in from mm. the environment. And you're yeah. like, wait, is there an amplification of that? And bottom line is, we don't know for everything, but we know there are for in some certain cases, but then there are protective things you can do. So what are the protective things that you would recommend people do, say, to protect themselves against LPS? Aside from just have your, have your gut working well, eat a healthy diet kind of stuff. Well, that certainly is a good place to start, um, but you can take supplements that will help. Again, if the body's firing on all cylinders, um, and not everyone's is, in addition to what you're saying, I just wanted to add the critique that we are all completely individual oh, yeah. and have those different weak links. Very true. So one person in a, in a subset um, could do better you know, against certain environmental yes. influences. And so, but another person, man, they get one whiff of that and they go out, yeah. you know, they go downhill fast. We call them sicker, quicker type people. So again, are you up for the challenge of meeting the environment? Um, you, you know, it, I think we're uh, degrading in that sense. There's almost a de-evolution going on because these things carry over from generation yeah, to do. generation, as you know. And so um, our, uh, like my grandkids are not going to be as healthy as me. They just don't have it in them. Now, maybe mine, you know, uh, have some special genes from grandpa. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm open. I know I got some from mine. Like I get my my great great grandparents are very very healthy people that live to be a hundred and stuff. I'm open. I'm open. But the environment's working against you, and so the things that you need to do besides pay attention, you know, like we were talking about that, is really eat clean and live clean. You know, I'm I'm not like that guy that's going to tell you um, uh, broad, you know, things. I mean, I have people eat right and go to bed on time and exercise and reduce stress. And those stressors are generally for me because this is just how I work, Dave, the things I can test you for. So I can test you for food sensitivities. I can test you for parasites, bacteria, funguses, and viruses and things that would produce lipopolysaccharides or accelerate them and things like that. I can test you for environmental pollutants. Simple urine test is going to give us metabolites um, and organic acids, as you mentioned. They're going to tell us if you've got... Uh, you're drinking out of styrofoam cups too much, basically. And then, of course, that's going to do what? It's going to affect the hormones. So so we're looking at these markers that we have and then able to you know, clean up 
the lifestyle, the behavior, the diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and there are certain supplements that are very therapeutic. They can um, stimulate certain like, organs. Like, like you can, like what? You can clean can, up the liver. Can you name a few just ingredients? Because I'm sure people listening are like, okay, I, I think I have this problem. I want to, I want to try a bottle or something. Like, like what are the? Just give me ingredients. Wow. Well, yeah. You know. Gosh, I hate doing that. But um, <laughs> there. I mean, really, you take the liver. The liver is supposed to detoxify uh, your your blood basically so there's phase one and phase two there's certain foods like fruits and vegetables believe it or not really help your liver do a good job of detoxifying i thought fructose didn't help the liver there well there there's certain fruits i mean you want to eat some fruits and vegetables i mean you can argue this thing both ways but if you look at the nutrients that support liver function there's also the protein the amino acids so you need both the uh, complex carbohydrates, and you need uh, the amino acids. Right. So, uh, right there. Now, can you take? Can you buy these things in bottles? Yes, you can. Um, are there specific ones that would be helpful, like glutathione and taurine? And and the, yes, you can buy those individual th- and in kind of enhance the liver a little bit. There are also some well-known. Uh, time-honored herbs, you know, psilomerin or, you know, um, milk thistle yeah. and these kind of things. They enhance and stuff. Can you, you know, the problem with that approach is you end up reading the label and you need everything in the store. Like, you know, you go to Sprouts here or Whole Foods, these kind of, it's like if you read the literature, there's enough truth in it, truth claims being made, uh, that you think you need everything. Well, and not not only that, if, if you read the label... No supplement manufacturer in the United States is allowed to state what their stuff does on the label. So just to be really clear, like, like I can find 5,000 studies that say what one of my supplements does, and if they have anything to do with disease, I am legally forbidden to put it on the label. Even if I have a, you know, this statement is not approved by any, any regulatory authority. So when you go there and you read the label, it says maintains healthy levels of that's because that's all that you're legally allowed to say, even though we know it does 20 other things, which is why you got to yeah. go to Dr. Google and, and kind of figure out what supplements do for you, what the ingredients are for them, and, and do a little bit of research before you decide to put something in your body. But I, I would say don't read the labels because no supplement manufacturer can tell you even half the story of what a supplement does. Uh, and also there's people who put stuff like mycelium and mushroom extracts where there's actually almost no mushroom in there. It's all essentially cellulose. So there's quality issues as well, but that's something that drives me nuts and why I finally decided I was going to make a few of my own things just because like, I I just want something that works. Uh, So, Uh, you know, I'm glad you did. And there are people of integrity Mm -hmm. putting some formulations together. Yeah, there really are. And behind the, I mean, I think supplements, first of all, if you accept that food isn't high quality anymore, and I did grow up in Canada with both my grandfather's growing their own food and we used to my brother and I when we were kids would go down to the neighboring ranch or farm and get manure out of the stalls and you know bring back horse crap you know and turn it over in the compost pile and so we were actually nourishing the soil with you know I think it was pretty good so I think I ate a lot of really good vegetables when I was so, a so kid then your, your, Very so, so your grandkids probably did get something from you <laughs> Maybe you know we'll see if they're not stupid. We'll we'll just see what happens. So the so what I'm getting at is that food isn't grown like that anymore. So you do need to supplement just to simply substitute for what's missing in the food. Even organic food 
doesn't have the nutrients. Yeah. The reason you eat organic is to avoid herbicides and pesticides. You know, the chemicals, that's great. But you're still not getting enough nutrition. You can't eat the barrelfuls that you'd have to to get enough of the vitamins and minerals and so on. So we supplement to substitute for missing things. We also supplement to support certain systems or organs. So this is where I tie it in with the lab work because the lab work is going to identify the healing opportunities and that will guide us a bit in terms of, well, okay, we need to support your liver. Your liver's congested. I can tell if your liver's congested. Well, what would help it to clear out a little bit? Well, you know, here's some things that have been shown to support that organ or system. Now, the other thing you need to do sometimes is just stimulate, sometimes temporarily. There is such a thing as intelligent allopathy, a, a little relief care to make people feel a little bit better, and then also just ongoing stimulation, you know, of the immune system if it needs stimulating, um, and other, you know, other organs. So stimulation, substitution for missing ingredients, and just general support. Um, so I do believe in supplements. But again, I, I haven't uh, branded anything or done my own line. I kind of like just being the educator. These are the ingredients that work. And, and, and buy what suits you. It allows you to to say the whole story behind a supplement, whereas the people who believe enough in a supplement to make it suddenly aren't allowed to talk about it anymore, which is a bizarre state that you know we could only make up if we were trying to write some strange novel. Yeah, and and uh, I think that novel was written, you know, George Orwell's <laughs> 1984. The, but exactly. anyway, that's just me. That's just me. So, so there's we're talking about the liver, but there's there's. Three tests I wanted to ask you about that, that that I'm familiar with, but I think most of our listeners aren't, and they're ones that you've talked about a lot uh, with your training. So the first one is urinary bile acid sulfates. Can you walk me through yeah. what do they do and why should you test for them? Yeah, sure. Well, we're now using just urinary bile acids. Um, it's just a more direct measurement. Uh, 80% of your bile, which is a major... <laughs> digestive fluid, if yeah. you will. Eighty percent of your bile is bile acids, and we don't need to go over what they are. So the rest of your bile is cholesterol and phospholipids. So you know it, most of your uh, bile is this these bile acids. Now they are going to be um, produced in the liver, uh, stored in the gallbladder, and released at the right time, uh, mostly to emulsify fats, but they have some other benefits and they get so they're released into the small intestine now a lot of it's reabsorbed uh, through it's called enterohepatic circulation some of the bile is actually just excreted through the feces but it's going to be reabsorbed through that enterohepatic circulation there are veins coming off the small intestine that go back to the liver so you have this circulating level of bile acids now there should be a normal quote-unquote normal amount in the bloodstream because the liver, you know, releases uh, uh, food and all kinds of things into the bloodstream, and it's picked up by the kidneys and excreted into the urine. So you can just simply take a urine sample and see what are the levels of bile acids, and it tells you how healthy this uh, system is. Now, what if there was too much bile acids? You have very high level of bile acids in the urine. Well, that would tell you that something's wrong with your liver. It's either backing up and spilling over excess bile acids into the bloodstream so it's congested or uh, you could have something actually wrong with the whole system you could have kind of a leaky gut you have too much bile acids being resorbed 
So you can tell things about a person's digestive system and their liver, the enterohepatic uh, circulation, which really is, you're, you're kind of, you have to kind of picture this, but it's the small intestine. Is there too many, too much bile acids being resorbed? And it's again, spilling over into the bloodstream. So it tells you about liver congestion and it tells you about enterohepatic circulation. Now, I think those are pretty critical things for if you want to stay healthy. And so, you know, excess bile acids itself in the urine doesn't uh, mean you have a disease. You know, it's not a labelable, oh, you have excess bile aciditis and here's your <laughs> prescription. There's no prescription for that. It's not a diagnostic test in terms of labeling a disease. It's saying, look, something's not working right here. This is an area for improvement. That's what functional medicine is all about. That's what functional diagnostic nutrition is all about. Because again, we look at that as a as an area that could be improved. Here's a healing opportunity. So if it's congested liver, you can um, do some things. Again, if you eat right and you start uh, healing that gut and you do all the other things right, take some supplements, of course. And you can, you can even do liver, gallbladder flushes. Uh, there's some discussion about how effective those are. I think they're quite effective. Yeah. And yeah, I really think they're a good idea. And um, you can get that liver to pump and squeeze and uh, start to work right again. If it doesn't have any pathology that probably should be ruled out by a medical doctor, like cirrhosis. If you've been drinking heavy for 50 years and you, you have a hardened um, you know, liver, that's a that's another reason why your bile acids could be high, by the way. And you'd want that kind of ruled out by a medical doctor. Okay. See, we work very well with the medical system. We know uh, where they're needed and we know that we basically fill all the other needs. What about ind- indican levels? What about the, what are those? That's a really neat marker, too. It's been used for 50 years in doctor's offices in the old country doctor probably used to do it in his own office click you know here pee in here and he goes back and does this little test and sees if you have excess indican now indican is telling if you have uh, a positive indican we call it it tells you you're not breaking down protein very well so basically you're not going to have the right kind of um, bacteria the bacterial action on protein is poor now, they use tryptophan as the protein that's, that's tested against. So, it means you have to challenge this. You have to eat some protein. Now, you could eat just about the size of a deck of cards of salmon or some really rich, you know, meat um, the night before. You eat that for dinner. And then the, in the morning, you collect your urine. And you see, did your body break the tryptophan, which is a major amino acid, in that down did it break it down or did it produce these um indoles okay. which your liver converts into indican so so if you produce indoles which your liver converts to indican and then can be collected in the urine you know but the kidneys collect it and excrete it um you can see that so what we what do we know about a person if they're not breaking down protein very well number one you probably could support them immediately with some extra protein Hey, you're not breaking down protein. Uh, try eating some more, first of all. <laughs> Get those amino acids in your body. But the other thing it would tell you is that why they have certain symptoms. Like w- protein is basically going to be broken down into individual amino acids, 
which are broken down into neurotransmitters and all kinds of things. Okay. Now, neurotransmitters, that's a whole other uh, show, but you know, you're talking about brain, how you feel, how you sleep, um, all kinds of things could be explained by the inability to break down uh, amino acids into their neurotransmitters. All right. So, so it's a it's a wonderful test. Yeah. Uh, the the final test I want to ask you about, and we got to keep the answer short on this one, just to fit okay. in the episode. Lipid peroxides. Yeah, it's a general measure. It's a non-specific test. So lipid peroxides can be elevated, but you won't know exactly why. But it's not a good thing to have elevated lipid peroxides. So uh, basically, it's a measure of oxidative stress on the body. Yep. So if you cut open an apple, it turns brown. Now, this is oxidative stress. The, the uh, cell membranes are popping open. They're breaking down. Uh, and then the contents are rotting. That's why an apple turns brown. It's why a nail rusts. If you leave a car out in the backyard for 20 years, it's going to fall apart. That's oxidative stress. And there's always going to be some. There's uh, you know pro-oxidative and antioxidative balance in the body so this is why we take antioxidants or we need them in our diet is because we would need to counter the pro-oxidative activity now pro so so it's a measure of that like what's the balance like if you have ex excessively high lipid peroxides too much oxidative stress now what could that mean toxicity uh over exercise Chemicals like people who smoke, you know, taking 200 chemicals into their body with every puff, they're going to have excessive oxidative stress. Another word for this is free radical damage, yep. which can lead to mutate cell mutation, cancer, I mean, all kinds of really, really nasty things. So, but it's, an, it's a nice measurement for overall um, things you can do to improve your health. Awesome. Thanks for running through those three. Those are three really important tests, but th there's a lot of tests that, that matter. And it's also a question of where you are in life and how young are you? How old are you? And I've found that as I age and, and as my career grew, I actually invested more of my income, uh, or at least uh, probably about the same percentage of income, but certainly more, more dollars in tests to see what was going on and in supplements and other interventions, basically, to, to get control of my biology. And I, I think this is a normal path because I, there's this thing that everyone has called aging. And when you're about 25, 26, you realize that if you stay up late drinking every night, <laughs> you actually pay a cost that you didn't pay when you were 21. And if you're still doing it when you're 30, you're like, oh man, like I, I'm not liking how I look in the mirror now. And, and you realize that at some point, all right, I, I wanna get on top of this, and the reason you use testing and you use uh, the, the type of thinking that you have, use uh, FDN type techniques, is that um, it, it helps guide you so that you can guide your efforts in a meaningful way instead of doing stuff that doesn't work, which is what I did a lot of the time. So I, I, investing in yeah. the data is very valuable so that then you don't waste your time on interventions. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. All right. I'm, si I'm 62 years old and I feel most of the time, I'd say 42, you know, at the most. Now, I don't ever want to feel 22 again. Yeah. A, uh, that, that leads to bad behavior. But <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> but I definitely, I'll stay 42 until I'm 92 if I can. You know, that's the goal. That's the goal for sure. Uh, on that note, if someone came to you tomorrow and they said, look, Reed, I want to be better performing at everything I do in life. Like, I want to kick more ass at everything. What are the three most important things I should know? Just Not just from FDN, but everything you know. What three pieces of advice would you have for someone like that? 
Yeah, geez, I would say get up in the morning and uh, thank your uh, lucky stars. You know, be prayerful, be thankful, be, have a mental state of gratitude. Nice. Because uh, gratitude is the only attitude that leads to health and well-being, really. You know, so be very, very thankful. And I would also say uh, maintain your morale through producing something useful. You know, have a purpose in your life. You know, if you're wandering around aimlessly, where are you going to get with that? You know, so um, if you have an attitude of gratitude and you have a purpose in life, like I get up every day and I try to grow my organization. Now, it has a great purpose, but, you know, that's my goal. That's my ambition. Um, I have a purpose in life. And then you walk your talk. You know, th and this is off the top of my head. You said, what, three things? This is what's coming to my mind. You know, just uh, be very grateful and thankful. And I do get up every morning and pray. And sometimes before bed, too, if I'm not too tired. You know, and then, uh, you know, I, I have my purpose. I have my life's work in front of me. And I'll do it till I die. So I think that's, for me, a great success thing. And then um, walk the talk. You know, I mean, I preach a lot of health. But it wouldn't do well if I was out drinking every night yep. or if I was, you know, doing uh, bad behaviors. Now, I do a little bad behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really try to walk the talk, man. Got it. You know, that's that's the thing. And, you know, make friends. You know, I I try to be nice. I can go on and on. But those are those three so, good so ones. So gratitude, sense of mission, and execution. Got it. That's a, that's a great list. Walk, Thanks, Reed. Walk the talk. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio. Where can people find out more about uh, FDN? Um, thanks. I think they go to uh, functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com forward slash bulletproof. That would be a great place to start. Functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com forward slash bulletproof. And uh, look over our stuff. You know, it, it we're basically a course in how to apply this to your own life and to your if you're in business of helping others uh, to your clients' lives. Awesome. I didn't know we had a, a custom URL set up. Do we have some sort of, sort of an affiliate thing that I don't know about? <laughs> we might. Yeah, that's that's what's <laughs> um, that's what we that's what we figured that's out. That's cool. And listen, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, just, not I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge either. Me, me either. So, so here's here's the deal, people listening. Um, I, I interviewed Reed because I wanted to interview Reed, but it looks like we have a, a deal set up, which is cool, uh, which basically helps to yeah. support the show because I'm working to make Bulletproof Radio self-sustaining because Bulletproof raised venture capital money and we have investors and, and I want this show to remain independent. Uh, so uh, I'm basically making the show pay okay. for itself. So yeah, there's an affiliate thing here. Just, it's fully disclosed. And if you don't want to support Bulletproof because you don't want to, just go to FDN. Was it functional? Sorry. What's your functional diagnostic nutrition.com. Yeah, there you go. So, and again, my staff just told me about that. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know much about it either. All right, good deal. So I, I thought I'd throw it out. No, I, I appreciate it. So I, I didn't even know, but, but here's the deal. Um, so if, if you want to support Bulletproof functional diagnostic uh, nutrition.com uh, slash bulletproof. If you just want to go there without it, functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. It's no skin off my nose either way. Just There's a bunch of knowledge you've got there. It's a bunch of knowledge that, that I think is, is our birthright and the show's here to share it. So, um, Reed, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing it. And thanks for remembering that we had an affiliate deal. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right.
The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.